You're watching Ensound TV. Unrelenting, unrepentant, and in your face. With a style that is always funny, fresh, and never boring. Join Delhi as he discusses various relevant and trending topics as he keeps you informed, engaged, and entertained. Welcome to Soul Food and Lemonade. Welcome to another episode of Soul Food and Lemonade. I am smiling because I've known this guy for a while. And this is the first time I'm seeing him in what? Maybe about three or four years in person. Yeah, it's been a while. Yes, always see him on uh, Facebook, you know, doing his food thing, going to different places and all of that stuff. His name is Chad Foodie Montague. What's up, my bro? <laughs> What's going on, man? I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you here with me, man. Well, first of all, what's been going on with you? Um, you know, ironically, even in the midst of the pandemic, I've still managed to be extraordinarily busy. Um, still been, <laughs> I've still been uh, traveling, um, still cooking, still uh, teaching, um, still doing some uh, some freelance singing and doing some background vocals for people. Oh, really? um, yes, I've, um, my life has kind of continued unabated. Um, had to make some adjustments because of COVID, but you know, we're still out here. We're still we're still working. You know what? The way I see it, we have life, so we have to celebrate it every chance. Get. Absolutely. So. Unfortunately for me, I don't get to celebrate because I work constantly, and outside of work, this is what I do. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a struggle sometimes trying to find a space with all the work to make sure that I still have a life. So it means that I don't sleep very much at all. Right, um, it's not good. It's not good. Um, I'm in the gym a lot, trying to stay as healthy as I can, and mm -hmm. we're trying to make sure that we get at least, you know. Uh, you know, four to five hours of sleep every single day. Sometimes we get a little bit less. Which is not enough. Uh, which is not <laughs> enough. Um, sometimes running on fumes, three or four hours of sleep. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you have to grab a nap sometimes during the day, mm -hmm. especially as, you know, we're getting older. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's a time when a lot of people are not working, um, when a lot of people are not being called um, to do the different opportunities right. that I have. So um, I don't take it for granted uh, that people still call me um, in the midst of everything and ask me to come right. um, to, to speak, to teach, to sing, to mm -hmm. cook, whatever it is, all the different, I have, I'm wearing a lot of hats. Right. So I don't take it for granted that people are calling me. Um, and so we try to answer as many of the calls as we can and go as many places as we can. That's good. Now, mm -hmm. um, I know that you're an educator. Yes. And um, what school district do you teach in? So I've been, I'm about to start my 13th year teaching uh, alternative ed in Patterson, in the Patterson Public School System. 13 years. 13 years in Patterson. That's awesome. Um, uh, working specifically with our population that is overaged, undercredited. Our students are kids who may have been expelled from other schools, okay. who have some sort of involvement with the criminal justice system, maybe have had some things adjudicated, um, or whatever the case may be. Our students are the kids who typically have um, been will say removed from other schools for whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. um, it may be academic behavior, um, health-wise, what have you. And they come to us. So it's been 13 years of working uh, exclusively with that population in Patterson, which is a city which is on challenge. Well, I have no doubt in my mind that your students love you. I've um, seen some of the pictures. I've seen some of the posts on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I uh, I am convinced that what my students need first and foremost is love. So mm -hmm. I try to pour as much love into them as I possibly can. I'm awesome. very open about the fact that I love my students. Right. Um, I love every single person that comes to my door. I extend that love to them freely. 
um, and we do it in the form of you know trying to educate them both you know academically and socially, mm-hmm. um, but always just try to remind them, particularly since our students overwhelmingly are children of color. These are black and Latino, primarily right. um, young men and women. So I think it's important for them to see um, an image of a black male educator exactly. who not only is going to function academically for them, but is also going to show them what it is what it looks like to have um, those types of healthy relationships Correct. between adult males and you know young men and young women and what that looks like mm-hmm. for them. So we try to, not just me, but our, our entire staff, um, and shout out to our principal, um, Zatidi Moody, um, and the rest of our staff at the school who all are kind of engaged in that work along with me um, awesome. to make sure that our kids get that. Now, um, how, do, how do you find that they manage during the corona situation? Now that it's coming back, um, what kind of discussions, and you don't have to go into mm-hmm. details, do, um, do they share with you or you know, do you have with them? How are they coping during this corona crisis? So, I mean, it's really, I think our students have run the gamut in much the same way that adults have. So we have students who have dealt with it, you know, very well. Um, They transitioned very easily to virtual learning. Mm -hmm. Um, They had stronger support networks at home. Um, And so some kids handled it well. Uh, But then we also have students who did not handle it uh, very well at all. Okay. you know, parents were having hours cut. Parents, some parents were losing jobs. Um, a lot of our students um, did experience uh, family members who got sick. We mm-hmm. have students who experienced death as a result of the coronavirus, and we have to remind ourselves, uh, even though they're incredibly resilient, they're still, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, right. 20 years old. They're still young people who were already facing a variety of challenges mm-hmm. um, just because of, you know, the way they've come to us already being an alternative educational environment. So our students face, I, I think, a level of difficulty that other students may not have. Okay. Um, so even our students who maybe didn't handle it as well as we would have liked, um, we're still immensely proud of all of them mm-hmm. for persever- persevering as much as they could in the face of what you know, we all realize were just uh, extraordinary circumstances. And um, were, were you and other teachers able to communicate with them throughout, throughout the, uh, the, the, the pandemic? Yeah, so I think the difficulty, um, particularly for teachers like me, I am a very tactile educator. So um, as you said, you know, I'm, um, those folks who follow my social media know I do mm-hmm. tons of things with um, my students outside of school. Right. Um, you know, my students have come to church with me. We go on field trips, you know, some that are organized by the school, some that I organize um, myself. Uh, I'm connected to my students on social media, so I try to open my life up to them as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then due to the coronavirus, a lot of that activity, I mean, it just ground to a halt instantly. Mm. Um, So I was used to not only seeing my my students, I was going to say my kids, and that's what I really think. I was used to seeing my kids not only, you know, from 730 in the morning until, you know, three o'clock or so in the afternoon, but all throughout the evenings and, Mm. you know, and on the weekends um, and them having the ability to call me. Um, you know, if something happened mm-hmm. and I could drive up to Patterson um, and see what was going on and offer whatever help that I could and all of that ground to a halt. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think uh, our kids struggled when for teachers like myself and others who they were used to having as a support system beyond the classroom right. and that was snatched away from them and they were left back into some, you know, very difficult environments. Right. And a big part of the safety net that, you know, not just our school, but I think all schools provide for students, Mm -hmm. um, was taken away from them. So, uh, 
I am looking forward to being able to be back in, you know, the physical building in a few weeks when school starts back up. And I'm hopeful, I have my misgivings about what's going to happen, but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to keep the schools open as long as we possibly can. That's good. That's good. And sh and rightfully so, because mm -hmm. regardless of what's happening, these kids mm -hmm. still need the education. They need the interaction, mm -hmm. you know, among each other. Right. They need their teachers, you know, so that's the... Mm -hmm. Um, is there any advice that you would give to um, any teacher who are currently present in the classroom that may be struggling with the uh, pandemic on their minds every day, um, not knowing whether or not their students are vaccinated mm -hmm. or what's going on? Um, as, a, as an educator yourself, yeah. how do you view this whole thing? Everyone who can get vaccinated, if you're eligible to get vaccinated, so anyone, you know, 12 and older, uh, get vaccinated. And I know that there is a lot of vaccine uh, hesitancy, particularly in the African-American community. I am one of them, yeah. I must admit. So I, I encourage people to, you know, seek out actual real information, not uh, things that are being shared on Facebook or Instagram mm. or TikTok. Um, you know, a lot of there's a ton of information out there. So the original report that Pfizer uh, released after they did their initial trials when they submitted for the EUA for the emergency mm -hmm. approval from the FDA, that's available on the internet. It's not very long. People can read it. Same thing applies for the Moderna vaccine. Same thing applies for the Johnson and Johnson vaccines, which are the only ones available currently in this country. But you you still do mm -hmm. understand why people may be hesitant, right? Right. Especially mm -hmm. our people. So one of the things that has been uh, problematic for me is when people explain what the reasons for their hesitancy, mm -hmm. they will cite different things that have happened over the course of history in this country, right. but they don't cite them accurately. And so it is problematic for me. Like, I'll give you an example. People often bring up the Tuskegee experiment, um, which is obviously that's horrible what our government did in that situation and then people will say so i can't trust the vaccine because they were injecting black people with syphilis mm -hmm. that's not accurate that's not accurate i know that's not right accurate too. and so what i say to people is if you're going to cite the tuskegee experiment or anything else that has happened in this country to black people as a reason for your vaccine hesitancy the first thing you have to do is make sure that what you are citing, that you understand what actually happened. Right. Because when you cite these different incidents incorrectly, what that says to me is that you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And now your hesitancy isn't based on facts. And, and it's funny you say yeah. that because I was under the same uh, impression, mm -hmm. but then I saw a documentary about mm -hmm. exactly what happened. And right. these were some family members also speaking, you know, family members of some of those... Um, experimentees, if you mm -hmm. want to call them that. And so that was a, an eye-opener for me. Right. You know, knowing that all this time there was some level of misinformation, you know. So um, now let's mm -hmm. go to a different topic now. Sure. I know that you are a foodie. Before yes. we get into that, yes. let me take a, break, a quick break. I'll be back. Your data is being bought and sold every day by companies you're not even aware of and for considerable amounts. How much do you earn out of it? Not a cent. Presenting Tapestry, made around the belief that it's your data and you should get paid for it. Now earn money while living your life as normal without having to move an inch. Just download the app, sign up, and let Tapestry do the earning for you. You don't even have to open the app if you don't feel like it, and still earn money as the app runs in the background. But if you do, 
you'll be part of a world full of tapestry users, interacting via cool and exciting avatars while making money. Enjoy daily activities and earn cash in the process. An app that makes earning easy and fun while keeping you anonymous to ensure privacy? Well, yes, that's Tapestry. Download today and start earning. All right, we're back. We're back. We're back. Now, I know you're a foodie. Yes. Because you're always cooking up something. Yes, I am. And displaying it. And now you have your own um, Facebook Live show, right? Yes. Man, let me tell you, how did you get into, have you always been a foodie? Um, you know what, it's, it's funny, almost everything that I'm involved in originates with my students. So, oh, for real? Yeah, this, this started entirely um, in the classroom. Um, one of my uh, things that I'm passionate about in education is the disparities in nutrition for black and brown people right. in urban education. Um, a lot of the things that we serve um, students in urban schools is frankly disgraceful. Um, it's things that you would not serve your own children. Yeah. Um, it is loaded with preservatives. It's loaded with sugar. Um, it's loaded with things that we know have an impact on uh, a child's cognition mm -hmm. uh, and on their behavior. And so I have been frustrated for years that we would bring kids into a school, give them things that we know are not good for them for breakfast and kind of ramp them up. And sometimes it's even terrible because even at home, some of these kids are already not getting the proper nutrition. Right. So you bring them into the classroom and expect that things would change a little, but it end up being worse. Right. It's, 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 it's really disgraceful. Uh, and so when I first, I've always been, uh, you know, I've always loved to cook. Um, I come from a family of, of exceptional cooks, so mm -hmm. I've always had an appreciation for uh, good food. Um, and shout out to my mother, who's like one of the best cooks on the planet. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I started in our mentorship group, I started bringing a crock pot into the school. That, oh, that, was, the, that was the first kind of live cooking that I was doing. Okay. Um, I was cooking with the kids, you know, at 730 in the morning with a crock pot and teaching them how to cook in a crock pot. And we would let the food cook all day and then we would go live again in the afternoon and, you know, show people what we had made. Okay. Um, and the impetus behind it was I wanted them to learn how to eat healthy, how to eat clean, how to eat economically, and show them that you can eat, one, you can experiment with different food. There's mm -hmm. more to food than, you know, some of the things that they've been eating. Um, but it is actually better for you and more economical to eat healthier. Right. Um, and that you can, you know, a whole family can, you know, can eat a meal, you know, mm -hmm. on 25 or $30 if you grocery shop. That's you know, true. Correctly. That's true. I've done it many a Dies. Right. So we, we started with that and then Corona hit. So obviously I couldn't be in the building cooking right. with them anymore. And I just decided I was going to continue to cook live so that they could see it mm -hmm. um, and I could interact with them that way. And it just kind of it is kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> well, um, let me tell you, you're doing an awesome job with that, man. Sometimes I'm looking at some of that dishes and I'm like. I didn't get an invite. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we've we've taken the cooking show is on the road now. So, oh, it's on the road. Yeah. Now? Um, uh, people hit me up and we we pack it all up and I I go to people's homes. Oh, um, for real. And we yeah we're doing cooking demos in people's houses now. Oh man. Um, so and then I'm also you know um, people will call me for something that they've seen so I'll cook dishes and you know drop it off for you know for barbecues or you know parties mm -hmm. you know bar mitzvahs weddings whatever it is um, okay so yeah so I'm I'm doing a, a lot more cooking uh, than I intended with something that started out as well, let me just show these kids how to cook in a crock right. pot so maybe this is your second um, profession. You know, I, I, I'm open to, I'm open to anything. Know. Um, you know, I just feel like, you know, sometimes you don't know what you want until it presents itself. And sometimes you don't know which direction all of this is going to lead, yeah. you know? 
So you, you never know. You may get a full-fledged television hey, show. Hey, listen, I leave it up to God. Exactly. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I, I think back when I first started teaching, I didn't want to work in Patterson. I was applying for jobs. I really mm -hmm. wanted to work in Newark because I'm from Newark. Right. Um, applied in Newark, didn't get hired. Applied in East Orange, didn't get hired. Applied in Patterson really only because I was like, I need, I got to go to work. Right. Um, and Patterson hired me. Um, I know you love it, right? Yeah. And at the time I was like, I'll work here for a year and I'll, I'll just keep applying until I get what I really want. And you could not drag me out of Patterson Public mm. Schools right now. Oh, man. Um, I love my colleagues. I've had the opportunity to work with some just amazing educators, some amazing administrators. That's awesome. Um, over the years. My current principal, principal, Mr. Moody, is, you know, just an extraordinary leader, an extraordinary principal. Mm. Um, I've worked um, with other extraordinary principals. Um, so, you know, shout out to my first principal. Um, Nicole Payne, who really has given me like the foundation of you know, what okay. I believe about education, um, and others over the years, you know, Miss Best, I could really just start rattling off names right, of some right. of these amazing people, um, and then uh, great colleagues. Um, uh, a few come to mind immediately: uh, Paul Vanderwin, who was an amazing history teacher; uh, Dr. Vanessa Bell, and these and these are also all people of color. So okay. these are black men and women, right. um, which is important to me. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Vanessa Bell, she just got her PhD, extraordinary nice. math teacher. Um, Alan Daphson, who is an extraordinary music teacher and digital arts and digital media teacher, okay. and does brand marketing. These are these are, are people. That people don't think exist. And these are actually some of the skills that, that the yes. students are actually learning, right? Yes. They're, they're learning skills that they can go out there and use right. like right away. Right. So, I mean, we're talking, and these are all people who were, have worked or are currently working in That's the school awesome. that I work in. So you're talking about a, a black man with an advanced degree mm -hmm. who is moving into administration and is one of the most erudite history teachers you would ever come across. That's awesome. You're talking about another black man who um, knows literally everything about music and is teaching, you know, music in the classroom and is also teaching digital arts, um, is teaching digital photography and uh, things oh, like that That's and amazing. media, brand marketing. And then you're talking about a black woman who has her PhD um, and is teaching math. <laughs> And so, you know, I am humbled yeah. to work with these people, you know. Of course, you have to be, um, you know, they always say that you surround yourself with people mm -hmm. sometimes who know more than you do, yes. you know, and that's the best environment you can thrive in, you know, because there's always something to learn. I don't care how educated you are, mm -hmm. there's always something to learn, to learn. Yeah, and I, I think it's important for for all of the struggles that cities like Patterson and Newark and Camden and Trenton, and we know about the difficulties that are happening mm -hmm. in our black and brown communities in the state of New Jersey, I think it's important for people to know that there are people of color working in these schools, exactly. working in these communities who are doing extraordinary work, who are doing yeoman's work, often without recognition. And that's why whenever I have the opportunity, the you never hear about yeah, I always sh shout, yeah. you know, make it a point to start shouting these names out yeah. so that people know you know, who these folks are, um, and so that people can call on them mm -hmm. as, as well. Like, if you're looking for people in these areas, that there are black men and women right. out here doing this type of work. And I can, uh, you know, just by me seeing you on Facebook, mm -hmm. seeing some of the videos that you've made, I know that you're making a real impact on the lives mm -hmm. of these kids. You know, it's obvious. Mm -hmm. Your class is always so exciting, <laughs> and everybody seems to be having so much yeah. fun. You know, I mean, we need more teachers like yeah. you, for real. Uh, I tell my kids all the time, one, my class is a safe space. Mm -hmm. um, you can say anything you want. Um, I don't have rules. Um, uh, actually, I have one rule in my classroom, I, and I will make this the only uh, uh, small piece of profanity I use. 
I have one rule in my classroom. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> That's the only rule. Right. So I say to my kids, like, before you do anything, think to yourself, if mm-hmm. I do this, am I going to be an asshole? Right. And if the answer is yes, don't, don't do it. Don't do don't it. Um, but then beyond that, you know, like I say to my kids, uh, like, they know where supplies are in the room. So they know, like, there are, you know, pens and pencils in, in my desk drawer. Mm-hmm. If you don't have something to write with, we're not, I'm not going to stop when I'm instruction so that a 17-year-old can get a pencil. Right. If you don't have a pencil, when you realize you don't have it, you should be mature enough to get up, walk over, get it, and go back and sit down right. and keep going. The bathroom is, is next door to where my classroom is situated. Mm-hmm. If you're 17 years old, why are you asking me if you can go to the bathroom? It's right there. Right. Get up, go to the bathroom, come back. That makes sense. I want you to. I want as much as possible to empower you to be the young man or young lady that I know that you can be to help you grow into adulthood. Right. Now, if you demonstrate that you can't handle that level of freedom, then we can pull the reins back and we can talk about what the appropriate behavior is right. in those moments. Um, but I think it's incumbent upon us to give students the opportunity to demonstrate that they have grown, to demonstrate what they have learned. Mm -hmm. And we typically only give them the opportunity to demonstrate what they have learned from an academic standpoint, Mm because we do tests and we do quizzes and we make them write papers. But I also want to see how you've grown as a person. I think you should be able to just, it occur to you that you're thirsty and get up and go to the water fountain and come back. Right. Why, are we, why is that a conversation that you need to have with me? I'm not thirsty. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I got water on my desk, or typically coffee. But I'm not thirsty. Mr. Montague, can I go to... Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. And, and, you, and, and you're 17? Yeah. Um, yeah. So now, if you get up and you go to the bathroom and you don't come back immediately, or you wander the halls, or you go someplace that you're not supposed to see, now you're being an asshole. Right. right. And that's why we only have that one rule. I understand rule. what you're saying. That's why we have that one rule. But um, I'm sure there will be some teachers still who um, want to uh, exercise that level of control. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like my way or no way. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And that, to me, would get a student acting a certain way that would seem like an asshole, like you say. Right. You know, because young people, it's difficult for them to take instructions. Right. But at the same time, some of them do n- are not mature enough to follow instructions. Right. And so there's certain l- type of conflicts that, that may occur. You know, uh, I don't see you as that kind because, you know, you just get along great with your students. No, and, and, and some of them, to be sure, don't respond well to that level of freedom. So okay. if they can't handle it, then I and, you know, our instructional aides, our security team, you know, mm-hmm. we have we have all the typical, you know, staff that you would find in a public school. Right. We're prepared to put, you know, boundaries in place for students who can't handle it. Okay. Um, and we do have tons of boundaries, like any school, we have tons of boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have tons of support staff that make sure that, you know, things run smoothly. Right. But if a young man or young woman has demonstrated that they can handle additional freedom, then I think it's imperative upon us to allow them to grow up. Yeah, get in mm-hmm. a little bit more for me. Sorry. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, we were having a discussion before we go on uh, mm-hmm. live, yeah. and um, we are talking about, um, you know, always being there for people, mm-hmm. um, whether, whether the need is visible or sometimes you can hear it in someone's tone of voice mm-hmm. that something is going on. I'm very intuitive like that mm-hmm. as well. 
And so we always want to help. You know, it's in our nature to help. So we are always giving of ourselves, mm -hmm. not realizing that sometimes the people that we are giving to are very ungrateful. Mm -hmm. A simple thing as thank you is non-existent. I, I see this every day. Right. Because I'm on the buses every day. Mm -hmm. Every day someone come on the bus without a mask. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody on the bus with an abundance of masks handing it to people without a mask. And right. they just take it and don't say a word. Right. I'm irritated by that mm -hmm. because I'm from a different culture. And I mm -hmm. think it's a part of every culture that you exercise politeness and whatever etiquette there are. Mm -hmm. You know, but a lot of people don't do that. Um, with you, how do you handle situations like that where people just turn out to be just ungrateful? So uh, one thing uh, I have always been clear about is, I, one, I'm only responsible for myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have any control over... What others do or yeah, say. And, or how people respond to the things that I do. Mm -hmm. um, so I know, for instance, you know, as you said, I'm a foodie, you know, I'm cooking on Facebook Live, I'm cooking on Instagram Live, um, and it is, it's well known, you know, amongst my own circle of, of family and friends that there's pretty much always food at my house. Right. Um, which means I do get a steady stream of people stopping by to eat. <laughs> <laughs> So, You're running a hotel. Yeah, a, a, a I, I'm running a restaurant. Um, so you know, people will just drop by, and right. you know, in some in some cases, people are dropping by because I cook something that they found interesting and they right. just want to try it, and mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, but there are people who drop by because they're genuinely hungry mm -hmm. um, and because they don't have food, uh, particularly during the pandemic. Right. Um, and so sometimes people will drop by and they don't just want to make a plate; they want to make a plate and they want to pack up a plate, which is right. fine. I have no problem with it. Um, some of those people, um, when they come by, they're they're incredibly grateful, and, and mm -hmm. they will say, you know, like I, I appreciate this. This is really helping me out. Right. Um, I don't get paid until next week, so this is really going to help me, you know, mm -hmm. out for a couple of days. And I, I will say to them, you know, I cook every day, um, and I really do. I'm, I am my grandmother's uh, <laughs> grandson. I, there's a lot of, of of Jane Boyd in here, so oh, I, I tend to always have food in the house. That's um, a good thing. And I, I I can't help it. Um, and I, I will wish say I to could them, cook every day. I just can't do it. I, oh, I just even I, with a crock pot. And <laughs> I used to use my crock pot a lot. If you notice, I'm losing weight yeah. because I'm not eating. You can listen. Stop not, by the house. I'll give you a plate. I, 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 I can't promise do it you, every I can day, fatten though. you up. <laughs> I promise you, I can fatten you up. Um, it's it's and I don't. My food is not for. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It is. It's soul food. It, okay. It's very heavy. Okay. Um, it's well seasoned. You know, it's a lot of lot of fried chicken and things like that. A lot of steak. And, <laughs> um, but no, I, I don't mind it. Uh, but I, I don't have an expectation that everyone is going to be grateful. And we shouldn't. We um, shouldn't. But it's just that, I don't know what it is. It, it's in my nature mm -hmm. that if I extend to someone, mm -hmm. at least say thank you. Right. That's not too much to ask of anyone. No, and I, I think we live in a very an increasingly narcissistic culture. Uh, and yes, so we are. People are focused on entirely on themselves, and they sometimes people act as if the world does not exist outside of their individual needs. Mm -hmm. And so, whenever you are doing something for them, there is an energy of, "Well, I didn't ask you to do that." Um, 
And I, you're right. You did not ask me to do that, but I did it because I saw that you were in need. Right. And I am someone who, and shout out to my former pastor, Linnell Guyton, who is now presiding elder in our church of the Brooklyn district. Shout out, Pastor Guyton. Um, <laughs> Uh, who did a series of sermons on living your life in a generous way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it isn't just about obvious opportunities to be generous. So, you know, if you're driving down the street and you see someone who may be panhandling, that's a very obvious, very tangible way. If you give them a dollar or if you give them something to eat, that's a very obvious way to be generous. Um, but other ways, if you are truly living your life as a generous person so that you recognize the abundance that you've been blessed with and understand that you have not been blessed with whatever you have to keep it to yourself. Right. Um, and for particularly in this country, there are a lot of us in this country, not all, and there are, there's income disparity in this country and there's a huge poverty gap in this country. We know that exists. Um, but there are some of us through the grace of God who we do have a certain level of abundance. You have maybe a little bit more money than some others. You may have more food than some others. Maybe you have a car or whatever what, whatever area of your life where you have been blessed. Mm -hmm. If you understand that you were not blessed with that just to keep it to yourself, but so that you could be a blessing to others, particularly in our community right. where we see so many people struggling. I've never looked at my life and thought that God has given me, given me all the things that I have just so I could sit in my apartment by myself and, and hoard it all well, and to, keep it. To be honest mm -hmm. with you, I'm a loner by nature, mm -hmm. but I'm also a very given person. Mm -hmm. You know, I will, if I see a need and i in the, uh, the, the uh, position to mm -hmm. assist, then I will. Yeah. But over the years, I've kind of um, not been doing that so much, and that's due to experiences that mm -hmm. I've had with people that I know very well, mm -hmm who is like you give them once and they expect it all the time. You know, the moment you say no, or I don't have it today, mm -hmm. it's a big deal and it's a problem. So I've actually mm -hmm. blocked people as a result of mm -hmm. that, both from my phone, from Facebook, so they have no way of contacting me. Right. You know, because I'm learning that we have to use wisdom, mm -hmm. even in giving. You know, there are panhandlers out there who are not homeless. They're not stressing for money. For example, there's one guy always in the midst, um, mm -hmm. close to where you live, a white guy, always out there. But yeah, at, the, I see him, yeah. at the end of the day, his girlfriend comes in a car and she picked him up and I've they drove him. off. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I've seen that happens at mm -hmm. least twice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, he's out there conning people, mm -hmm. you see? But still... Loving me. One of the things I've always been interested in is the whole idea of our relationships. So I sit and I observe people and even from my own relationships, I learn. Join me every Wednesday where on my podcast, that is what we talk about. How to have better relationships, not just with ourselves, with other people. Outside of that situation, there are people who are in genuine need. Mm -hmm. you, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. For a moment, I had a problem with these guys who were um, sleeping under uh, 280. Yes. You know. Also not far sleeping from where I on live. The, Right. Yes. Sleeping on the ledge there. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely concerned about mm -hmm. it. I did a show talking mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. What if someone falls off into traffic and right. stuff like mm -hmm. that? So... I'm a very caring person, you know? I feel for others, mm -hmm. and um, at times I give to people. But sometimes 
some, some people are just outright ungrateful. You'll just finish feeding them and they turn around and curse you out. So one of the things that uh, <laughs> we did at my church, and I'm a member of uh, St. Matthew Amy Church in Orange. Okay. Um, and so under the leadership of our pastor, uh, Reverend Melvin Wilson, our first lady, um, Leslie Wilson, our church has done a tremendous amount uh, during the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, to try to support the community. But one of the things that we did very early on um, was we had uh, particular Sundays where we would just give out meals. So mm-hmm. the church would come in, cook up food, pack up a, a, you know, a church plate, collations, as we sometimes call okay. it. And you, you could come and take as much as you wanted. Right. So you could come and say, I need you know, one dinner. Um, or you could come and say, I need four dinners. Or you know, I got mm-hmm. five people at home, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and we were giving it away, no questions asked. Um, to have whatever you said, if you said you needed one, three, five, 10, mm-hmm. whatever, we just gave it to you, no questions asked. Right. Um, and the impetus behind it was, of course, we knew that there were people who were coming who didn't need it. We knew that there were people who were coming who were taking more than they needed. But there was no way for us to to know. Right, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think what has helped me kind of maintain my spirit of generosity is to understand what my capacity is mm-hmm. and then to only give that. And I think that's what the church demonstrated in that moment. Um, you know, when we first started it, we would say, you know, and I don't remember what the exact numbers was, but we would say, you know, we can give out 200 dinners. But mm-hmm. when it's gone, it's gone. Right. And then we would ramp it up. And at one point, we may have been giving out, you know, more than 500 or what, however many mm-hmm. they were able to do. So I just look at myself um, and I know what my capacity to give is. I know right. how much energy I have. Um, I am mindful of my own self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm tired, I'm not going to do something. Um, if See I don't these have, bags under my eyes? Yeah. That's from lack of yeah, sleep. Yeah, you got to get an eye serum for that. Um, I'll make an eye serum recommendation. Oh, please do. After <laughs> um, this. <laughs> if I have, you know, I know how much money I have in my checking and my savings account, mm-hmm. what resources I have. Um, I know what my responsibilities are, what my bills are, right. what my responsibilities are to my own self-care. So mm-hmm. I still want to be able to go out to dinner and enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. But then... Something even after all of do. that, there, there is, there's some excess there. You right. know, even after I do everything that I need to do every single month, mm-hmm. there's, it's not much. Um, I'm not wealthy, but there is some there. And then I can decide what my capacity right, right. for generosity is. Set that limit for myself. And then I'm just putting that energy out into the world. And the, the thing world. is, the more you give to, the blessings just comes yes. without you even asking, without you even realizing it. Right. Um, the one thing I don't do when I give, and I mm-hmm. do give, mm-hmm. you know, I may be home and I'm stressing and I'm, you know, working too mm-hmm. much, but I'm still doing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But um, I've seen these people on camera, you know, filming mm-hmm. themselves, giving mm-hmm. and stuff. And to me, that does not appear genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel that the work that you do as far as helping someone should be something between mm-hmm. you and those people that you're right. helping. You see, some people just do it for the attention, right. which is the wrong reason for doing it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of attention whoring that goes on. <laughs> and, you know, social media feeds it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I try to break it down into two categories. There are times when you are publicizing something that you're doing because you're trying to generate interest. You're trying right. to expose an issue. You may That's be trying different. to raise yeah. money. Um, but then there are other times when people are just like, ha look at me. I did something for someone. It's all about me, yeah. And, and, and no one is edified or no one is uplifted um, 
by what you're doing. And exactly. It's, it's a fine line. So um, I try to be mindful of w- what I share mm-hmm. uh, on social media. Um, contrary to what people believe, um, I don't share probably 75, 80% of the things that are going on. And you shouldn't, um, you know. I so, mean. for instance, uh, my cousin said to me once, um, uh, I, I want to say maybe like four or five shows ago, um, I made this gigantic container of, of baked spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Um, and he called me and he said, you can't possibly have eaten that. And I said, mm-hmm. I actually, um, I ate like a small bowl of it to mm-hmm. taste it. And I didn't eat any of it beyond that. Uh, and he asked what happened to it. And I said, a bunch of people came over and packed it all up and ate it. Um, and they took it. And, mm-hmm. you know, people took it to, you know, some people took it and gave it to seniors, to right. their elderly parents. But that entire tray of it was gone in like mm-hmm. two days because people came and took it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, well, you didn't, um, you didn't say that. Well, it, it's not for me to say. And I agree with you. Um, that um, someone who I know, I would not want to make a post and say, you just made up name John Smith came over um, because he was having a rough week right, and right. packed up a plate for him and his. It wouldn't mother. be appropriate, um, you know, and you know that. And, and I, I know that it happened. He knows that it knows that it happened, and that's all. He there said is thank that, you, yeah. um, and that did happen. That that's not the person. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know anyone named John right. Smith, but um, <laughs> he was grateful. Um, his mother called and said that she was grateful. Um, and so I didn't feel Plus the need. Plus it tastes great, too. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know what I do what I do. Um, <laughs> but I didn't feel the need to make a post about it right, saying, right. look how I blessed right. uh, John Smith, or that's where the food went. One of the main reasons why I wanted to get you on the show is because, number one, the students, mm-hmm. you're always, to me, you're making such a great impression on the lives of those students. You know, and uh, when you put it on, like even during Christmas or yeah. Thanksgiving, whatever, you're just so energetic and full of life, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, oh man, every teacher in the world should be like this. Yeah. So much more students would graduate mm-hmm. and graduate with honors and, right. you know, proper self esteem, mm-hmm. what have you. You know, that was reason number one why mm-hmm. I wanted to get you on the show. Then comes this mm-hmm. cooking thing yeah. that I never knew you you, <laughs> yeah. you were you throw on like that. Yep. You know? And so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite uh, dish to prepare? Wow. Because um, so I know I know you go hard with seafood. I do I I cook a lot of seafood because I'm trying to be healthier. Uh-huh. Um, my two favorite things to eat if I could and I I can't. Uh, if I could, I would eat fried chicken and macaroni and cheese every single day. Oh, you serious? Um, and I don't um, fry in vegetable oil very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I fry, uh, I air fry it. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to, there's really just no way to make macaroni and cheese in a way that's healthy. It's yeah. It, it's just yeah. a heavy dish. Um, so I, I don't uh, cook it as often as I would like to. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of old school. Uh, I, I make a lot of soul food. And then I've recently been inspired um, by the Netflix series High on the Hog, which it's High on the Hog, um, how African American cuisine transformed America, and it okay. traces um, uh, the history of, of our food from you know Africa you know, through the transatlantic slave trade mm-hmm. through different parts of the South, New York, Chicago, everywhere else. And on the show, 
they demonstrate a bunch of different dishes. And so uh -huh. I've been cooking some of that food okay. and trying to incorporate um, uh, my ancestors and my history. Um, so most of my food is based on things um, that I watch my mother and my grandmother, okay. my father, my aunts, my uncles. Everybody in your family, yeah, pretty they, much. All of these people cook <laughs> um, and cook very well. So yeah. I've, I've had this food my entire life. So I've tried to take those recipes. Um, and my family is kind of spread out. My mother's side of my family is from North Carolina. Um, I have family from South Carolina and okay. from Georgia. So right through like that kind so of... So there's a lot of different flavors yeah. and combination of um, stuff going on. My uh, my uncle, my only my mother's only brother is a literal... I don't mean in the sense that, you know, like my uncle could really throw down on the grill. Mm. I mean, he's a literal world-class um, cook okay. on the grill. Um, my brother is a competition level um, on the grill. I was talking yeah. about how much you and your brothers look alike. Yes. You guys yes. like like your twins or something. Yeah, my mother really spit us out. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she really spit all four of us out. No, I also noticed that your a lot of your, your clothing have this, uh, what's this, a spider? Yeah. This uh, guy. Uh, so it's, let me it's, just, let, 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 let's, let's just... Yeah, uh, come this way. way for a while. You um, always wearing those. What's up with that? I am one of many things that I'm obsessed with is <laughs> is superheroes. Um, okay. I, I I love Spider Man. I love Iron Man. So like I love a big kid, huh? The Black Panther. Um, I was on the phone with a friend of mine earlier today, and you know, he was he was talking about my love of superheroes, uh -huh. um, and he said, you know, I guess if anybody's going to date you, that they, they have to be. And I'm, <laughs> I'm single, so get in my for inbox. now. Um, so uh, he said, if somebody was going to date you, they would have to, you know, accept your your obsession with superheroes. And so I said, oh, absolutely. I said, as a matter of fact, right now I have a Spider Man. It's and one Iron of Man. your requirements. I, I have Spider-Man and Iron Man bed sheets on my bed right Are you now serious? Um, with oh, Spider-Man and Iron Man pillows and Black Panther <laughs> pillows. Um, and then the television in my bedroom, the front of it is lined with action figures. Oh, gosh. Um, and so I said this to him and he's like, you got to be kidding me. You're just making that up to, to make fun of me. And so, you know, uh, we actually went, switched to FaceTime and I showed uh -huh. him uh, my bedroom and he's like, you're out of your mind. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm... I'm my two biggest obsessions right now outside of my students in food are everything related to the Marvel Universe and DC okay. Universe and superheroes. And, of course, um, everyone who knows me knows that I, I am obsessed with Hamilton and Lin-Manuel Miranda. But you know what? <laughs> we all have something that we obsess about. Yes. Mine is technology. But mm -hmm. if you look around, you don't see much, right? Yeah. Because I'm not like very, very extremely obsessive mm -hmm. like some people. Yeah. You know, some people go hard at it. Yes. Me, I like, okay, I'm always watching watching my cash because mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of it. Right. <laughs> you know, so, but if, listen, if I could afford mm -hmm. this whole place that you're looking at right here would have been loaded with gadgets. Hey, listen, I, I, <laughs> I am a, a Christian. I believe in speaking those things that are not as though they well, were. So we speak life and we speak technology into your house um, that God is going to... And, and, and I, I truly do believe that um, yes. you, when you are pursuing... I mean, there are things that have happened to me um, that I know was nothing but God. Mm -hmm. um, I, so I'll tell you this story because it truly is amazing. Um, when I first started cooking for the students, I was cooking in my crock pot. I would just mm -hmm. bring my crock pot in. Um, and of course, it quickly kind of got out of control. More and more kids started to come. And I realized, all right, I'm going to need another crock pot. Okay. Because I got to feed more people. 
And so I went to uh, Walmart and I bought an Instapot. Okay. And um, I posted a picture of it on Instagram and on my Facebook. And I made a little blurb and said how excited I was that tomorrow I was going to, that, that the next day I would be able to cook in two um, crock pots and I would be able to feed more students. Mm-hmm. Um, and my good friend, uh, Kareem Olatif, who lives down in Maryland, and shout out to him, he's recovering from a surgery right now, so we mm-hmm. pray healing over him. Yes. Um, commented on my post and said, take that thing back and get yourself a Ninja Foodie. Uh, um, it's a, a much better foodie. device um, to cook with. Okay, so what's a Ninja Foodie? It's um, a nine-in-one pressure cooker. Oh, wow. Um, it, it pressure cooks, it sears, it sautés, you can make yogurt in it, you can air fry in it, it does all of this stuff. Um, and so I inboxed him and I say, hey, um, I would have bought the Ninja. I saw it when mm-hmm. I went, um, but it was $300 mm-hmm. and I'm a public school teacher. And what I bought was $100. Right. So I got the $100 device because I can't afford the $300 device. Mm-hmm. And so he then created um, a group chat with me, uh, himself, and another friend of mine, Neil Potts. And they asked me to go online and find out how much that other device cost if they mm-hmm. got it online. And I told them the price and they said, take it back immediately. And they cash after me the rest of the oh money. Oh my gosh, um, that's a blessing. So literally within an hour of me making the post about the Instapot, I was back in Walmart returning it and getting something different. Mm-hmm. And so I went back on to social media and just to thank them and you know say how grateful I was right. again saying thank you because it's it just to circle back this is somebody <laughs> doing something that they didn't have to right. that I didn't ask for exactly. but I was so intensely grateful um, that they had done that for me and then when I commented uh, put that information on Facebook people just started sending me money mm. and people started sending me messages and saying things like, well, if Neil and Kareem are going to pay for the appliances, then let me pay for the food. Wow. And so that's, I that's started good. out my evening spending a hundred dollars of my own money to get mm-hmm. an Instapot. And I ended the evening not spending any of my own money with a $300 appliance <laughs> and $700 in cash. Oh my God. To, to buy, and I was wow. able to buy food, um, and school, ironically, schools close um, a week after this happened. Mm. But then I had resources while kids were struggling with the initial impact of right, the pandemic right. to keep going out and continue to spend money that I would not have had mm. to continue to, to cash up money right. to students and to Uber eat food. To Sometimes students. God opens up so much you know, doors for mm-hmm. you, you know, um, I've experienced, I could sit here and write a book, yeah. you know, because even with me doing everything that I'm doing mm-hmm. here, growing up, I've always wanted to be on the radio. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to, you know, have an album right. and I've always wanted to sing. Right. I've done all of that. Your data is being bought and sold every day by companies you're not even aware of and for considerable amounts. How much do you earn out of it? Not a cent. Presenting Tapestry, made around the belief that it's your data and you should get paid for it. Now earn money while living your life as normal without having to move an inch. Just download the app, sign up and let Tapestry do the earning for you. You don't even have to open the app if you don't feel like it and still earn money as the app runs in the background. But if you do, you'll be part of a world full of Tapestry users interacting via cool and exciting avatars while making money. Enjoy daily activities and earn cash in the process. 
An app that makes earning easy and fun while keeping you anonymous to ensure privacy? Well, yes, that's Tapestry. Download today and start earning. Self-thought. Right. You know? So when I went to school for media communications, it wasn't necessarily because I didn't have any experience. I wanted to get more, you know, more knowledge. Nothing that I did in school was anything practically new to me. Right. But that was my, one of my focus also mm -hmm. to go to school, get, you know, the, the, the stuff that you get that you never thought you would ever have. Right. That's me. My whole life is like that. Right. You know, and so... I've always been for the underdogs, you know, whatever that term means. I've all, literally yeah. always been for the underdogs. Everything I've created mm -hmm. was for people like myself, mm -hmm. you know. And so over the years, I've just been blessed, blessed, mm -hmm. blessed, blessed, blessed. And sometimes I don't see. Sometimes I complain. Right. And my friends have to like, boy, you better shut up. Look what you have accomplished over right. the years. You see what I'm saying? So I'm learning to be more grateful. Mm -hmm. To express more gratitude because sometimes it happens and you don't yeah. recognize right. it sometimes until someone mentions mm -hmm. it to you you know yeah and and you know and i always um i fall back on you know on you know what god says what the word says you know um i know that you know every good and perfect thing comes um, from god so I, I truly believe that um i know that it does not yet appear what god has in store for us so even as we're getting older i still believe that there are incredible opportunities that i have not i cannot imagine and you haven't even tapped into yeah, us yet you don't know? even know what's going to happen <laughs> um and then i do you know most of all i do believe that all things work together for the good yes. of those who love the lord and are called according to his purpose and so uh, you know, I always say to people, if I am walking in what my purpose in my purpose is in life, if I am true to what uh, I have been called to do, uh, which is, you know, uh, primarily around my students and around, you know, mm -hmm. some disadvantaged communities and things of that nature. If as long as I'm pursuing that, then I trust that everything else uh, is going to work out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though I don't always. And, you know, I think the importance of sharing these sorts of stories is it illustrates, and this is, is something I think is particular to our African-American community, it is the power of testimony. Yeah. It is, you know, if we want to take it back to Africa, it is the power of being a griot um, and sharing your own history and the history of your, your mm -hmm. people, of your community, sharing your struggles um, and your triumphs, everything that has happened, because that is the evidence for people coming behind you yeah. of yeah. how God, the universe... Your chakras, whatever you want to call it. And you're right. How it uh, aligns to support you. Someone recently said to me that, you know, a lot of times we we get caught up into thanking God, but mm -hmm. we never really go back and thank our ancestors mm -hmm. for what they have been through and for us being here. And I'm like, that's that's true. We need to thank them too, because had it not been for what a lot of them been through, through the grace of God, mm -hmm. by the grace of God, we wouldn't be sitting right. here, you know, having these conversations. So it's very important for us to always show gratitude, always. I try to be clear in my own uh, understanding of the difference between God and my ancestors and my forebearers. Mm -hmm. uh, God is deserving of worship. Right. But my ancestors are deserving of honor. Yes. Um, and that's not the so we can give we can give honor to whom honor is due. And again, right. this is all scripture. Like um my first AME pastor, uh Bishop Reginald Jackson, used to always say it's in the book. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we give honor to whom honor is due. And right. so in my own personal history, you know, my mother, my father, 
um, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, great aunts and uncles, older cousins, and and all these people and people from my community, they are deserving of honor for the roles that That they've all played played in your life and and creating, you know, this person. Uh, And I am also being given opportunities to celebrate them in ways that they would have never uh, exactly. been celebrated. Mm-hmm. So again, part of the reason why I, whenever I do any sort of interview or I go anywhere, why I'm always calling out people's right. names, um, like that thing that we say now in the wake of Black Lives Matter, you know, say their names. Yeah, It's so important to say the names of people who have been the victims of uh police brutality and have been gunned down Mm -hmm. but it is also important that we say the names of our ancestors of our forebearers of those people who have created um, the world that we as people of color live in so i mean my mother's name is cynthia my father's name is arthur and i am not here if not for For them and what they have and and what they continue to do right exactly i'm grateful to still have my parents and they still support everything that i do i Mm -hmm. can still call um, my parents and I do, and my father will pray immediately on the mm. phone. Um, I can call my parents, you know, if I don't feel well. Um, sometimes my father goes into his little secret little medicine cabinet, right. give me something he ain't got no business. Um, but thanks, <laughs> dad, for, thanks dad, for the uh, for the payments. Um, <laughs> but th- they still continue to support, right? Uh, and then also, that's the example that they have set in front of me to you know to always get and back. that's the example that you pass along mm-hmm. to others you know your student and everybody that you come in contact with you know so it's a revolving door mm-hmm. if you may yeah. you know the good that you give out comes right back around to you and to a lot of people that you know absolutely and even people that you don't know you know and um this thing called life it's it's complex mm-hmm. but it's also exciting right and so many levels you know you recently celebrated a birthday almost so people have been confused i am uh, i'm turning 50 i'll be 50 in 25 days oh but i've been celebrating my birthday since april now um, everybody look at this <laughs> does this look like a 50 year old guy I, to you i'm, I'm going to be 50 in 25 days in 25 days in 25 days i'll be 50 uh it's, it's the grace of God. Well, let me say, you look good. You yeah. look good. You look good for your age. I'm, I'm listen. I'm, I'm like I said. I don't eat the food I cook. I, I was. <laughs> I don't eat it. Um, you cook it for I, yeah, other I, people. I cook it, and other people eat it. Um, so you know, they all look horrible. Um, <laughs> I remember one point you were a little chubby. Don't, 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 don't even um, it. But you've, you've, you've really looked good. You've been working out a lot. I've lost fifty-four pounds. Uh, yeah, yeah, fifty-four. I've lost fifty-four pounds. Uh, on top of everything else that I'm doing, 54 pounds. I've also been on a weight loss journey and lost 54 pounds. So when pounds. I when I met you, you were not that heavy. I mean, you were a little bit on the chubby side, right? But I gained a lot of weight between. I've, so when you met me, I probably weighed I don't know maybe 185 pounds or somewhere okay. in there, um, and then I ballooned up to about 215 pounds. Oh, you serious? Yeah, I got really really heavy, and and right now I'm 160 pounds. Well, you live, you have a gym in your building, right? And I do not. There's one close by. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I walk to the gym, um, but I committed to things like that. Right, I walk, right. Um, I do drive, um, but any place that I can walk, I choose to walk. Okay, that's um, good. I don't use the elevator in my building. I take the stairs. You take the stairs, um, and like little things like that um, mm-hmm. have helped. Um, I try to make my plate greener. Try to make it yeah. more whole grains. Um, I stop drinking soda. I need um, to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh it can be uh it's it's been liberating. Um, 
And I have this love-hate relationship with the gym, though. I don't go to the gym because, you know, it's like all those eyes. Yeah. I just feel like everybody's watching me mm -hmm. and I'm maybe watching, you know, it's like too much for me. Yeah. You know, I like to be in the comfort of my home mm -hmm. and do all my workouts and stuff. But even here, I get lazy. Yeah. So what, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I, when I go to the gym, I, you know, everybody Steve. in the gym falls into two categories in my mind. So I look at people who are in better shape than me <laughs> okay. and I'm like, that's, that's inspiring. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to get where they are. Right. And then I look at people who are in worse shape than me and I go, thank God I'm not there. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I may not be where I want to be, well, but thank I've God always I ain't what I used to be. I've always been skinny, but yeah. I would love to gain a little, you know, not, not, not pounds, just mm -hmm. some little muscles, you know. Um, but I don't know if it will ever happen. I mean, I'm 56. Listen, look at this. Get you, get your, get your, and you look great as well. Get yourself some protein shakes. <laughs> Um, and you know, yeah. eat a little ice cream before bed. But I also, but I'm also borderline cholesterol mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. going on. So you know, I tend to watch what I eat. Mm -hmm. I don't eat fried stuff. Every once in a while, I mm -hmm. treat myself. Ice cream. Mm -hmm. I love ice cream. Yeah. I love sweets, but I have to watch those mm -hmm. things. You know, so I also feel like I'm depriving myself. I mean, there are, there, are, there are things that you can do to, to substitute. So, like, I, uh, I'm i not big on ice cream, but I do love I ice love pops. I love ice cream. So, I have sugar-free oh, yeah. ice pops at, uh, sugar -free. in my refrigerator. That doesn't even sound right um, to me, sugar-free. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't lie to people and say that they taste like uh, what I may have eaten grow, growing up. Mm -hmm. But they do taste good. They do satisfy my craving. Is there a specific, probably it's a specific brand that you buy, right? No, I mean, I... I Listen, I'm on a budget. I buy what's on sale. Oh, okay, okay. You like me? <laughs> um, but no, I, just when I'm going, and it's it's about trying to to make you know the right choices as much as you can. Right. So some things that I eat, it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but if I make better choices where they are available, then I'm not impacted as negatively. Okay. So um, you know, I can eat you know a regular ice pop if I want to, but then it also means that, like I said, I don't fry my chicken and vegetable oil anymore. Right. I air fry it. Right. Um, I can eat. Uh, you know, like I, I do enjoy a cocktail. Um, I love 1800, uh, uh, coconut 1800 tequila. I love Casamigos and I love Patron. Um, I'm but not I don't, a drinker. But I don't drink soda. It's funny uh, because I'm not a drinker, but I'm a very picky eater. Mm -hmm. I, the only seafood I eat is fish. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't eat beef. I haven't had beef for years, mm -hmm. but I love oxtail. Yeah. Because I'm Jamaican. Yeah. And that's a black thing. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So I'm a very, very picky eater. I don't go to restaurants a lot. Mm. You know, I can't even tell you the last time mm. I've been to a restaurant. Ooh, um, I was in a restaurant two nights ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd rather cook. Right. But I don't cook during the summer months. Mm. Too hot for that. Yeah. You see? So right now, I'm, I'm literally losing weight right now because yeah. I'm not eating right and I'm not eating the right things. You well, see? I mean, I, one of the reasons why I'm a big advocate for the Ninja products that I cook with mm -hmm. is um, they don't generate a lot of heat. I don't use my stove virtually ever. Okay. Um, and, you know, I love to pressure cook meat. I love... The, I don't like pressure cookers. It's... So here's the thing, here's the thing with, with, with pressure cooking. Um, people think that all you have to do to pressure cook is put the food in there. And leave it alone. And, yeah, and, and it's not. It, it's not that. Um, if you... Uh, it took me a while to learn how to cook in a pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. um, 
it took me a while to learn like what liquids to put in there because you have to put a liquid in there to, to build up right. uh, the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to learn how long to pressure cook different meats so that they would come out tender. Uh, if you put the wrong liquid in and you put it, and, and you have, also have to determine if you're going to cook it on high, medium, or low. If you put the wrong liquid in, the wrong amount of liquid in, you cook it at the wrong temperature and you cook it for the wrong length of time, it's genuinely horrible. It, okay. it, it's just not good at all. Um, I guess the reason I don't like pressure mm. cooker, when I was younger, I mm. saw a pressure cooker lid explode, and I never go near one. I've never used one yeah. since that. So give me my crock pot. I'm good with that. And, and you know, it's, it's, that's, that's an issue that they have, too. I, I follow different Facebook groups about pressure cooking, mm-hmm. and people have to remember, it's still an appliance. It's still an electrical device. Yeah. The lid needs to be put on and sealed properly. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you can't just flop it up there and turn it on. Um, if you don't operate, it's like any appliance. Come on, when your window is out. Yeah, if, if, exactly. <laughs> if, if you don't use it correctly, yeah. right? Uh, you know, smoke detectors will go off in your apartment. It will smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember back when uh, deep frying turkeys was first became a thing, and people were saying the turkeys were exploding, and people <laughs> were trying to deep fry turkeys inside the house. You can't do that. Oh, you have to do that. Outside. You got to do it outside because it, it needs turkey's to, it, so huge, dude, yeah, and mean, it needs to vent. Yeah. Um, People didn't realize, you know, like the amount of oil you needed to put in it because you're going to put a 14 pound bird in there. So people would fill it up with oil and then drop the bird oh, in. Okay. And then there's a flame underneath and it would catch on fire right. and explode. And then you've got a propane tank hooked oh up to it. Oh my God. That's like a perfect recipe for it's, disaster. It's, yeah, it's a, for somebody to be hurt. Yeah. Um, and so the same thing I've seen happen with people. I've seen people put their pressure cookers on top of the stove. And so they're cooking something in the pressure oh, that's cooker, crazy. but they're also cooking in the stove. Okay, what are you uh. thinking? Um, and then they and then and then they say, "Oh my God, I'm never going to cook with a pressure cooker again." And I'm thinking, you shouldn't be cooking. I've at never all. used one personally yeah. because I've seen that explosion yeah. took place. So I, have, with me, yeah. I have to experience something once yeah. for me to be like, you know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not like a very mm. timid person. I'm not. Right. But there are certain things I don't mess with. I don't mess with snakes, and I don't mess with pressure cookers. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most dichotomous. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, black people are notorious for their list of things we don't fuck with. But I have never heard people say if there's two things I don't fuck with: snakes, snakes pressure cooker. and pressure cookers. Nope. <laughs> That's so, it. <laughs> that's the most insane list of all time. Um, I'm going to say we'll set a date. You can come by the house. I will cook you something in uh, in the Ninja. You can stay clear on the other side of the room. No, I'll, I'll come after you finish. Far away from it. Um, but, but, you know, no, I one of be the reasons why I've been taking the show on the road and, uh-huh. and doing the demos is, you know, people watch it mm-hmm. and then people see me post pictures of the food and it looks great. Okay. And then people say, but oh yeah, but what does it taste like? Yeah, let me tell you, some yeah. of those dishes that you're posting, yeah. I'm like, those are restaurant ready dishes. Yeah. You should package it, you know, trade market, whatever, yeah. package them. Hey. I'd have to get permission from my mother, my father, and my aunts because these most of these are not my recipes. I've stolen all this stuff. And you um, enhance them, give them your own feel, right? Or I'm, in some cases, I'm not even enhancing it. In some okay. cases, I'm just making um, what they but the way they showed me how to make it. That's good. Um, I think they look th- really good. Though. This summer, in particular, I've made more baked beans um, than I've ever made in my life. Oh, for real? Um, because I made it one one day on the show, um, and people were like, "Oh my god, that seems really elaborate. That's a lot <laughs> for baked beans." Um, and so I said, "Oh well, this is how I was taught to make it." Mm-hmm. 
it's the way my mother makes it. This is the way uh, my Aunt Frances makes it. Right. Um, my Aunt Janie. And those are the three people primarily who I've mm-hmm. seen make baked beans for a barbecue. Okay. Um, so some people would say, oh, like you just take the beans, you just pour them out of the can and, and warm them <laughs> up and, and you got baked beans. Right, right. And I'm sitting there watching in horror and thinking, really? Because when my family makes baked beans, it takes like three hours. No, um, oh my God. It's, it's, it's all <laughs> a whole lot process. of added ingredients and it's, stuff, it, There's right? tons of ingredients, you know, you got a ground ba- uh, ground beef and bacon and it's a whole it's Are a whole you thing. familiar with this gospel artist by the name of Lexi? Yes. Yes. Lexi has a cooking show. First yes. of all, she is one of the funniest people yeah. I know. I've interviewed her. And Lexi she's, is nuts. Uh, she had me laughing throughout the entire interview. Yeah. Lexi made, uh, I think it was um, uh, potato salad or mm-hmm. mac and cheese, yeah. and the amount of ingredients, yes. I'm like, that's a heart attack right there. <laughs> I, mean, I used to, uh, for a while, I was posting in advance of the show what the ingredients were in uh-huh. case people wanted to cook along with me, and then uh-huh. people were like, no, we'll just watch. It's too much. <laughs> they were like, who's got time I know. to buy all of that? Um, and then I posted a picture of my pantry uh-huh. um, in, in my house, and folks were like, "They were like, you're a single man, you live alone. Why, why do you have why do you, why do you have all that, why do you have all that stuff in your house?" And I'm like, "Well, this is what it takes to cook, right?" Like, and whenever depending on what I'm making, I was like, "It requires different things." So <laughs> I keep a fully stocked right. pantry. Um, oh man! Of, you know, do you bake also? I'm not, you know, baking is just not my thing because you can't fix Me baking. Me too, I've never tried to bake. Um, yeah. The only thing, I can make red velvet cupcakes and that's it. I stick to what I know. And I can I make know. peach cobbler. Those are the two things I can bake. Okay. I can make a red velvet cupcake or a cake and I can make peach cobbler. I cannot bake anything else. You can't do like uh, cheesecake and all of that? I've made cheesecake before. Um, it was fine, but it's not anything to write home about. Yeah. There was nothing, like you're never going to eat my cheesecake. <laughs> I mean, you would eat it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be upset, right. but you're never going to eat my cheesecake and say, ooh, make that for me. There's one cheesecake I had yeah. that I, I, I'm not a cheesecake person, mm-hmm. first of all, but I went over to Topps Diner. It mm-hmm. was a Christmas. Me and a friend, Don Corey yeah. Washington, mm-hmm. and I decided to go to dinner at Topps, and they had this mango cheesecake. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've been searching for it ever since. Yeah. I haven't found it anywhere. You got to go back to Topps. I went back. Yeah. They, they didn't don't have, have it. it. I mean, I'm I, like, I live I'm, down the street from Tops. So, I know, yeah, yeah, you're like right yeah, there. Yeah, I can walk there. You know? um, and Tops is the most famous restaurant in New Jersey. Yeah, they're expanding yes. now too. And so, deservedly, hey, so I yeah, cannot wait. Yeah, because um, it's I, always crowded, man. I, yeah, you I, can't oh my get God. In there. I, I went yeah. there and I waited like, in line for like an hour, an hour and a half. And I'm like, why am I waiting this long for some food? I know I can't cook it at home because yeah. I can't cook that well. But why am I waiting so long for some food when I'm starving? It's because you live in New Jersey. New Jersey is a <laughs> diner state. If there's one thing New Jersey has, it's there's the a lot of diners. diners. Yeah. Tops is the best diner Tops in New Jersey. Tops is the only diner I've ever had uh, And you there's no need to go. I mean, there are, other, there, there are great diners in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok Diner is great. Uh, Main Street Diner is great. Where's there, Main Street Diner? On Main Street. I mean, uh, Main Street, where? Yeah, uh, in Orange. Oh, um, okay. Uh, they're great as well. So I've, uh, I'm have i a little bit of a diner connoisseur. Okay. Um, I've been, you know, I've lived, I've only lived oh, in Oh, I went to one in Bloomfield. That one was good too. Uh, um, I forgot the name. It's it's like, once you pass Bloomfield Center, yeah. it's like right there. You know where that Jamaican restaurant is? Jay's I, can't, I know which one you're talking about, but it's I can't like, think of the name of it. Yeah. yeah. It's right there by the center. Yeah. 
that one is good too. Yes, and I, we have some we have some great new African American owned diners um, in Montclair. Oh, really? Um, and in Maplewood, so um, I have to look those up in a sec so we can shout them out as yeah. well. So, yeah, New Jersey is a diner uh, is a diner state. Yeah, they're um, like and, good and, diners. And Tops has you know for a very long time been at the head of the. It's food chain. always crowdy, man. Always Even when crowded. I drive by there, they're like. Yeah cars and you know so yeah. it's good that they're expanding yes now i know we've been talking for a while yeah um given the situation with the pandemic on the rebound mm -hmm. i must say it's coming back um any suggestions as to i know you've mentioned the vaccine and anything like that but um particularly for students because you're an educator mm -hmm. what would you advise them to do as um, taking added precaution, is e precautions mm -hmm. even if they have been vaccinated. So we know that uh, this is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The majority of the people who are being hospitalized um, and are dying of COVID right now and of the Delta variant are unvaccinated people. Um, so we're going to leave the issue of the vaccine alone mm -hmm. uh, because I know there is some vaccine hesitancy. Um, we need people to wear their masks. We need people to wash their hands and use all of their, their PPE. We need people to continue to practice social distancing. We need people to, as much as they can, to limit um, interaction with folks who you're not sure of, you know, right. of where they've been um, and what have you. And we do, to be clear, we want the country to be open. We want schools to be open. Um, and we cannot go through another school year um, where we start the school year with everything shut right. down. Um, and we, you know, it's good for students, it's good for social interaction, it's good for the economy, it's good for everyone for schools to be open. Mm -hmm. um, but when we're there, we need to limit as much as we can, you know, traffic. Um, students, needs to stay, students need to stay where they are. Uh, schools are implementing all sorts of um, protocols to protect students. You know, schools, students are going to be eating in the classroom, not gathering in large numbers. Right. Um, I know in my classroom there are shields up to you know uh, okay. help protect. Um, there is hand sanitizer everywhere, mm -hmm. um, and we're going to be you know uh, mandating that students keep their mask on. But we also have to remember, you know, in a in a typical school in New Jersey, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of young people yes. who are going to struggle to stay in a mask for six hours a day. It's um, hard. I mean, I'm on public transportation mm -hmm. every day. And um, some of, you know, I work with uh, um, New Jersey Transit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Some of the buses aren't, um, the bu a lot of the buses are very old. So right. their air conditioning system may not be working. Is not what the ventilation is terrible. And to be in a mask on a bus that's already hot, mm -hmm. it's like very um, suffocating. Yeah. You know? And so people get irritable. People start cursing out the driver because right. the driver can't, you know. And so this whole thing is also psychological. It's starting to play on the psyche of mm -hmm. people. Um, and if you don't um, be careful, yeah. you may get caught up in all the mess that's taking place as far as getting constantly irritable and irritated. Well, you know? I, I think what people have to understand is the sooner we can be disciplined in our behavior, the sooner this will be over. And that's the thing. After almost well, a year and a half, there's still have to tell people mm. to put their mask on. Right. There's still people going on the bus or trying to get on without mm -hmm. a mask, you see? So I don't think a lot of us are taking it seriously. I really don't think so. 
No, I think there are people who are looking at the fact that they've lived this long and not, you know, had a, a bout with the coronavirus, haven't died or what have you. And they think that this is over. And what we're seeing is that behavior, that mindset, I think it's what's leading to yeah, the uptick to the, uh, to, in cases. Yeah. So, you know, as I'm out and about, you know, going about my daily activities, I see people gathering in large groups. Oh, yeah, I see um, that all the time. Uh, without mask on and, and, and in groups where you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, certainly, like, I go to uh, my parents' house. Both of my parents are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother may be there or whoever may be there, they're vaccinated. Um, and so when you have a small group of just your immediate family and you guys are all vaccinated, and I also feel confident about where they've been and that right, they've been right. careful, then yes, I want to have the freedom to take my mask off. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going someplace with a large, where there's going to be a large group of people where I could not possibly know um, what their behaviors are or if they've been vaccinated mm-hmm. or not, despite what they say, um, people are not walking around with ID cards or what have you. Right. Yet. Um then it's important. I hope we don't get to that, though. I really hope it does not get to the point where we have to show ID cards or uh, vaccination passport and stuff like that. I hope it doesn't get to that. I expect that that's where we're headed. I um, think that's where we're headed. You, you already have to have proof of vaccination to go into restaurants in New York. Um, so I don't do restaurants, so I'm good. And also Although in New Jersey. I am not yet vaccinated, mm-hmm. I take... I, I, Go above and beyond to mm-hmm. take the necessary precautions to protect myself. Mm-hmm. You know, on the bus, I'm always have a hoodie just in case mm-hmm. someone sneezes behind me. Right. I have hand sanitizers. I have gloves. Right. I don't touch any surf. Mm-hmm. I'm notorious for not touching surface outside. Right. right. You know, I, I think I'm a little bit, um, what they call OCD. that? OCD. Mm-hmm. So I don't touch surfaces mm-hmm. outside. And I'll come in here and once or twice a month, I'm wiping down light switches, right. kitchen cupboards, Handles and you know, so I'm right. kind of obsessive that mm-hmm. way. So when I go out into public, I'm always conscious. Mm-hmm. You know that consciousness is always there. But as far as my mask, sometimes I have two masks in mm-hmm. my, you know, because I like to interchange them. Right. You know, and so um, I do take my um, what you call it, the COVID test, mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But I'm not fully sold on the vaccine as yet. So I and mean, I'm, my. Uh, Fear uh, for, and I know lots of people who are, are not vaccinated yet. Is my fear for unvaccinated folk, especially with the numbers that we're seeing, is that you only need you know one incident where your guard is down, right? Um, and you know it, it could literally be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're walking to you know uh, the bus stop or wherever you may be going, it could be in the elevator. Someone just yes. get out. You walk in and you don't know what right. they leave behind in the air. You, you and know I, what I'm saying? I look at people who I know who are similar and that they are hyper vigilant. Um, but then I look at like small things that they do, like if they were eating something or if they had like a soda and they like pull their mask down really quickly just to take a sip to take a, yeah. of soda and you put the mask back up um, and you're saying to yourself, well, Funny I you only mention had that. it down. Funny you mention yeah. that. I walk with straws mm-hmm. in my bag just right. in case. So I put the straw, I, I bought the straw that you can bend, right. put it under my mask and I put it in my soda can or whatever and I sip that way. Yeah. Sometimes that's not feasible with water. Right. Because the straws aren't long enough. Right. You know? So I take a lot of precaution. I'm not saying that it is enough. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's not enough. It's just what I do to protect myself until well, that day comes. And it's I'm, part of the reason why I think 
Um, I am afraid, and I posted this on my social media today. I fully expect that we're going to have outbreaks in the school. I fully expect that. Uh, God, I hope the, the, it doesn't schools, happen. But uh, schools will not make it the whole school year without being shut down. Again. Yeah. Um, and it is because I don't think it is a realistic expectation to believe that every single person is going to be 100% on point and vigilant every no, single day. It, no, it's not going to um, be. So, especially kids. Right. Especially, and, and, you know, and then, of course, we have you know, uh, staff members who have made a similar decision to not be vaccinated. Right. And you only need, uh, as I said, you know, one day when, for whatever reason, you're maybe less vigilant than mm. you have been. Um, maybe you're really, really tired. Um, or maybe you're around a group of people um, who you know and you feel safe and you trust. So you say, all right, well, I'm going to take it because it is. It just take one yeah, person. It, it, it can be a lot to keep yeah, the mask on yeah. all day. Um, and so, you know, you take it down and then, you know. Boom, you're boom, exposed. You're exposed. Yeah. Um, and then not only are you exposed, but it's going to take, you know, anywhere from, you know, three to seven days before it shows up, before you start manifesting symptoms. And so if you've been exposed and don't know it yet, and you um, may be passing it along, and then you're passing yeah. it on. Yeah. Um, and that, that more than anything is why the vaccine is so important because it not only makes it, and, and I, I want to be clear because people, uh, again, they say things that are not accurate. The vaccine is not immunity. Vac no vaccine no provides vaccine immunity. Is immunity. So if you are vaccinated, it does not mean that you cannot contract COVID. Right. It also does not mean that you cannot die from COVID. What right. it means is that you are less likely to get sick and less likely to die. So right. what I've said to people, you know, for instance, the Pfizer from the very beginning, they said was 95% effective. And so someone said to me, well, if it's 95% effective, how are people still getting sick? Well, person who failed math, if it's 95% effective, <laughs> that means for 5% of the people, it's not effective, right. which means best case scenario, five out of every hundred people right. is still going to get sick, right. but it never claimed to be 100% by the way, you failed math too? Huh? You failed math also? I'm an English teacher. Uh, listen, yeah. I barely passed math. Yeah. Barely, with a minimum. I did pass it. I did pass it. I did graduate and from college. And I have a master's degree, right? Rutgers University. <laughs> um, and I'm in grad school right now. Um, I know. It's funny. So, and, you I'm know, not good at math. The period. Johnson & Johnson only claimed to be somewhere between 65 and 70% yeah. effective. So if you got the Johnson & Johnson, those people got the Johnson & Johnson, that means three out of every 10 yeah. is, still gonna, is still going to uh, potentially be sick. And it never claimed that... that it was going to be 100%. So seeing that you've already taken the um, your two doses, mm -hmm. right? That's Do it. you ever think um, that there will be a need for a booster shot of, of some kind? So uh, the research that they have out right now, and I actually do read it, um, mm -hmm. and I, I make it a point to actually read it okay. um, so that I can be, you know, speak intelligently about it. Mm -hmm. um, and we are seeing that for the Pfizer, um, that the effectiveness as far as contracting COVID mm -hmm. um, starts out at 95% and then somewhere between six and seven months out, it falls as low as in the 40th percentile oh, really? in terms of contracting COVID, okay. but that it is still effective at preventing you from getting sick or dying from COVID. Okay. So okay. just to be clear, 
if you very recently got the Pfizer uh, or Moderna, if you're within six months of having gotten it, then you are at, nine, at right around in the 90th, uh, in the 90s percentage mm-hmm. of not contracting not COVID and also not getting sick and right. dying from COVID. Okay. Once we get beyond like, you know, four or five into that six months, then we're seeing you're still um, protected against severe illness and death, mm-hmm. but you're not as protected against contracting it. So when they're suggesting that they may want people to get a booster shot, it is not to keep people alive or keep people from getting sick, it's to keep the spread of COVID at a minimum. At a minimum. Okay. Um, the minimum. And so they are uh, they've already said that they want to, you know, the first round of booster shots are probably going to be made available to people who are in some way immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. And then if necessary, they'll make a second round of booster shots available to seniors. And then ultimately we may see booster shots available for the general population, okay. which is the exact same way that the vaccine was rolled out. It right. was rolled out to specific, and, and we all remember this, you had to be in certain risk right. categories mm-hmm. to get it. To and get then it. ultimately it was opened up to, to everyone. To everyone. Um, so I've, you know, as I've just been traveling around, um, saying to people, let's be clear about what's happening. This is happening. The, the possibility of booster shots is happening in the same way that the initial vaccine happened. We saw the need you know, to make sure that people were protected, and we want to give those people who are most at risk mm-hmm. protection initially. So if, right. you're, if you're 28 and you got vaccinated, it's going to be a minute before you get a booster shot, right. and, and you right. shouldn't be you know, concerned or worried about it. But also, if you've already been vaccinated, as I have been, then you also know that some of the things that people have said about the vaccine are not true. Right. So, you know, people, I've heard people say, you know, insane things like a woman got the vaccine and her menstrual cycle ended. I know oh, dozens Jesus. of women who have got the vaccine, their menstrual cycle was fine. Um, people got the vaccine and they became sterile. I personally know people who are pregnant. Believe me. Listen, my folks my, are still having sex. My um, one of my concerns, mm-hmm. one of my concerns is that, and I guess it probably will be true for any vaccine, mm-hmm. is the long term effect, the effect that we don't see or develop now. Mm-hmm. What's gonna happen five years, three years, five years, twenty years? That's my main concern, you know? So, yeah, um, I think that's a legitimate concern. And I think what people should know, and I think this is why it's so important to read the reports um, on the development of the vaccines that Mm -hmm. are out there. I think people are under the the mistaken impression that That it was developed overnight. And it wasn't. It was not. That I know. Um, And so I always tell tell people, if you want to know when the vaccine was developed, Take any household cleaning product that you have in your house and you'll see coronavirus coronavirus on it. it, Uh, And it's always it's been there for, you know, that's why this is COVID-19. This is not just like a a different strain of it. Right. Um, And then also, if you read um, the Pfizer report in particular, you can see all of the other um, drugs and things that Pfizer has developed that we're all that we've all already been taking mm-hmm. that are based on the exact same research. So there are people who have over the counter medications in their homes right now based on the exact same research. Mm-hmm. So they won't get the the a Pfizer vaccine, but then we'll go in their medicine cabinet and be popping fills pills generated by Pfizer and by the same research team. <laughs> you know, so you can't say to me that I'm afraid of the Pfizer vaccine when you have a medicine cabinet full of Pfizer. Yeah. Um, or I'm afraid of the Moderna or and forget about it with Johnson and Johnson. And Johnson Johnson's out here making everything from baby lotion. They make to, uh, everything. Some right. of which are giving people cancer. So right. hey. But 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 again, <laughs> 
there are people who will lather themselves yeah. in Johnson & Johnson products mm-hmm. all day, every day, especially black folks, because, you know, black folks, so we don't like to, we, we we don't like to go know. outside we, ashy. We, uh, yeah, so yeah. black folks will lather themselves mm-hmm. in Johnson & Johnson products and say... I See put, powder dripping from right. their arms. But they won't take the Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> it, it, like the cognitive dissonance um, yeah. is, is funny to me, but it's also scary to me because right now in this country, we're up to, I think, 630,000 people um, 631,000 people who have died um, and I personally know literally dozens of people who have died um, a very good friend of mine I won't say his name out of respect for his family mm-hmm. um, but he was among the first 10 people in this country to die from COVID wow. um, and at the time that he contracted it and died they did not know what it was because he was. died in January of last year Dang. Um, and so I remember uh, we went to the service uh, we, we got the news that he was sick um, and, you know, they said he had some sort of respiratory infection. I was like, okay, you know. And this, of course, before all of this, before the world went crazy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, he'll be fine, you know. And mm-hmm. you dismiss it. And then, you know, you hear that he's on a ventilator and that he passed away. And we were all in shock. Yeah. You know, how did this happen? But we all went to the service with no mask on. And, you know, his mom not was knowing there. what was uh, going not, on. Not thinking yeah. that there was any danger. Right. Um, and, you know, I... I don't know, and there's no way for me to know if anybody who was at that service or because there's, there's tons of people who, yeah. you know, when you go to a funeral, there's a, a, yeah. a thousand people, and you, who do I know? Right. Um, but I have no idea if anybody got sick from that. But then it was just bizarre because then you know that was in January, and then two months later in March, the world shuts down, and we're all thinking, oh my god. Um, yeah. I went there, you know, do I have it? Um, and I, you know, when the test came out, I got tested. I didn't have any antibodies. Um, and it was getting tested and tested and tested mm-hmm. and, and, you know, continue to be safe. And then I immediately, when I got the opportunity, right. you know, I went over, like, over above and beyond to make sure that I got vaccinated. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but, we, but there was just so much information that we didn't have because um, people didn't know. Um, and so, as I said, my, my frustration all along has been that people have not taken advantage of living in the greatest information age yeah. in the history. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, and also, though, this is the, there, whole, the whole world. Yeah. But also, there's a, there's a lot of misinformation out mm-hmm. there, too. Um, a lot of people were trusting information on Facebook and, right. you know, wherever they could get information from. Right. Uh, un- unfortunately, a lot of this information was not the correct the proper, even the CDC, I had yeah. problems with mm-hmm. because I feel like they're still flip flopping to this day. Um, that's my mm. personal feeling. So, you know, one of the things that um, I have encouraged people to do um, the CDC, um, if you visit their website, you can see the evolution of their guidelines um, and how they have changed. And really, what is happening is what always happens with science. So the CDC is going to issue, you know, guidelines at the beginning of the week based on the science the that they have yeah. at the time. But they're also continuing to gather data and collect research. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, you know, tomorrow on Monday, the CDC may issue guidelines and say, and they've actually already done this, that we are recommending that students wear masks uh, in schools mm-hmm. uh, for their safety. Schools are actually already open, though. Right. And so they are collecting data from schools all around the country. If at the end of the week, if having reviewed all of the data that they have managed to collect, they say, well, based on what we've seen, we don't think kids need to wear masks. That's not a flip-flop 
that's taking the available information and saying we now have enough data to determine what is or is not safe. Yeah, but to the average person, it seemed like they're flip-flopping. Right, but, but this is why people have to actually, because they're, they're sharing this information. Right. So, and it's why you can't get your information from sources like Facebook or TikTok right. or Instagram or what have you. Um, now, I think what is problematic, and it's so important that we have forums like this where we can have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Most um, definitely. Because I think people are more comfortable listening to other people talk yes. than they are. Necess- yes. Everybody's not going to do what I'm doing. They're not going to go to the CDs. But the thing is, I'm, I'm glad that you, um, mm-hmm. you actually review the information yeah. so you can speak intelligently on the information that you have read. You know, So someone mm-hmm. out there may be listening mm-hmm. and realize that, hey, this guy's not speaking from Facebook right. information or whatever, you know. Me, I'm not a big reader. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a listener, right. you know, because I have so much going on and so many right. any given day, you know. The only time I read is to research the shows, depending on what show right. I'm doing, you know. So I keenly listen to information. Um, I'm, I'm just not quite sold yeah. yet, you know. Well, that's why I think it's important, and I, I do recognize the limited platform that I do have. I know that in three and a half weeks, I'm going to be in a classroom standing in front of a bunch right. of impressionable teenagers. Right. Um, and I think I have a response. I know that people watch um, my cooking show. I know that there are people who are following right. my Instagram and my social media and all all the different places that I may show up and, and do things. I consider it part of my responsibility to make sure that I am informed about these issues right. so that when people ask me a question you can answer intelligently right. and, and with authority right on and, I, and, I, and, yeah. I, and i can say you know honestly i read that right i'm not just saying it because you know it sounds good or it supports my point of view mm-hmm. uh, but i can say honestly i did read that right you know, or honestly you know i have you know been in you know to visit people or what have you um like my church is was one of the first churches to be a COVID testing site, mm-hmm. and then my church was one of the first uh, places to uh, be a vaccination site. So my church, you can actually go to my church and get vaccinated. Okay, okay. Um, again, shouting, I'll say Matthew, Amy Church, and our pastor Reverend Melvin Wilson, who's done an incredible job, kind of on the front lines mm-hmm. of this. Um, but I have been someplace, you know, where I wasn't didn't just get vaccinated myself. Um, my nephew got vaccinated there. My mother got vaccinated okay. there. I have friends who have been vaccinated there. Um, and just to be clear, the church is not doing the vaccine, so we don't have you know right. it, it ain't it, it ain't Mother Jones it ain't Mother Jones vaccinating you, um, you know it you know it ain't Deacon Larry I know right um, we're just the location before people think that's, that's you know some you know some shaky Deacon is I know gonna, is, that's not and there are probably is. people that will think like that no yeah. but but again it's like people believe anything yeah, yeah. Um, and I've said like if you go there no it it's it's uh it's doctors and nurses yeah we are just providing a facility right um but i've had the opportunity to see how the facility works up close in a place that i am familiar with and that you know right. i've spent years right. worshiping um and seeing the level of uh of care and also like i said i've been vaccinated so i did experience the side effects uh mm-hmm. and i'm very honest with people and i went live on facebook for that when i got the first shot my arm was sore um not sore to the point that I couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. but definitely sore that I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, my arm yeah. is sore. Um, that was the only thing I experienced from the first shot of the Pfizer. When I got the second shot of the Pfizer, my arm was definitely more sore. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a headache and I was tired. Yeah, because I think one of the reasons is that something that's um, not normal right. 
is entering your body. And so some people will have side effects. Some mm. people will have severe side, effect, side effects. Others may have mild. Others may have right. none. You know, those, mm. those points I do understand. But folks should, if, again, if folks read or listen, they will see when a vaccine is introduced into your body, you want the side effects. Because what the side effects are telling you is that your body is responding to what has been introduced into it and are generating the antibodies necessary to fight the actual okay, COVID that vaccine. Okay, I did not know. Yes, so that is why you should experience side effects. That's a good piece of information yeah. there. Thanks for sharing um, that. Because I never thought about that. And then, you know, I mean, not for nothing, especially black folks, we gas everything. So, you know. <laughs> You know, it's literally like people are like, I was dying. Um, And I've said to people like, all right, so let's be clear here. If you had to choose between two or three days of side effects where you feel like you're dying versus actually dying. Well, if they actually died, I would know nothing. That's (laughs) that's worse. Being actually dead is... um, Uh Like I, I, when I took my uh, nephew to get vaccinated, uh, he was like, "All right," because uh, he was nervous. <laughs> How old is he? He's twenty three. Oh, okay. He's twenty three. He's a basketball player. First of all, he's an amazing young man. Mm-hmm. Um, love him to death, and he just has been just a blessing, you know, to our family. Um, but like a couple of days later, he was like, "That wasn't nothing." I was like, "Exactly." Like it, you definitely have your apprehension, and, and like he's he was very hesitant. Was like yeah. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't yeah. want to do it. And then ultimately he did. Um, and he, I drove him home. And he was waiting for the side effects oh, to okay. kick in. And it never happened. I mean, he did have side effects, <laughs> but like he was thinking, like I had the vaccine five minutes ago. Like oh, you know, okay. I was like, no, okay. like it's, you just got it. Oh, he was thinking it was gonna be immediate. Yeah, like he was immediately gonna have like oh, headaches okay. and you okay. know. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, and so then the next day, you know, his arm was sore. Um, and, and he was a little bit tired. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the day, it was over. Right. And so when I called him on the third day, I was like, you know, so how are you he doing? He was fine. He was, he was at the gym. <laughs> he was at the gym. He was playing basketball. Was cool. um, and he was, was like, cool. I'm fine. Um, and I think it's really important that people see that as well. And, mm-hmm. and again, like people understand, you should experience side effects. But then also, look at all the medications that are in your medicine cabinet right now. If you look at the bottle... Every single one of them but you lists know, the side effects. It's funny because even with even with prescription medication that mm-hmm. I have received over the years, mm-hmm. I never take them the way they say to take them. Mm-hmm. I've always like because I've always I've always been convinced that okay, well, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. These things are producing some fo- level of toxin in your body. Right. And so you have to take breaks from that sometimes right. and just hydrate yourself mm-hmm. to flush some of it out. Whether you mm-hmm. soak in the bathtub, which I love. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my thing to do when right. I come home from work, just go soaking right. in the tub. Fall asleep there sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's a different story. But I never take prescription drugs the way they, are, they tell you to, mm-hmm. to take them. I've always taken breaks. Right. I mean, like long breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, because I feel, for me, it's all about preserving my body. Right. This is something foreign that's entering my body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to build up toxins and yeah. stuff. And I need to give myself mm-hmm. breaks in order to get rid of that excessive mm-hmm. buildup of, of toxins. 
So that's how I approach any form of prescription drugs, which I don't take a lot of it, but. So, I mean, I would, uh, and you know, I have uh, parents who are older, so, you know, they have their different prescriptions and what mm -hmm. I've, I kind of monitor that for them. What I've said to people is, people need to pay attention to their bodies. So right. if you are on whatever medication, um, whether it's a vaccine or something over the counter or, you know, a prescription drug for a mm -hmm. chronic illness, whatever the case may be, um, if you put something into your body, you need to pay attention to exactly. the way your body responds. Mm -hmm. If your body is responding in a way where you feel any sort of discomfort, if you feel any sort of pain, if you feel anything um, beyond Out what they have the told you yeah. that you should experience, then you should immediately stop taking that drug mm -hmm. and then go back to your doctor and say, so I took this for three days and on the third day I started to experience right. what have you. Have them change um, it to something else. Yeah. You know? um, I, I don't advocate for people kind of figuring it out on their own only mm -hmm. because I think people have different levels of expertise and people are going to do different levels of research. Mm -hmm. uh, people are going to do different levels of monitoring of their right. own bodies. Right. So like in your case, for instance, you, you know, like you said, you're a little bit OCD. So probably a lot OCD, honestly. I'm, I'm Don't have to tell like you a lot. Yeah, He's I'm a lot of OCD. Like a lot. Um, <laughs> so for someone who is, is, has that level of attention to detail, you probably have ability, an ability to monitor yourself oh, yeah, in I ways do. that a layman may not. Right. Um, so, I mean, if you just out here 45 and, you know, and you got diagnosed with something and the doctor has prescribed something for you and you're not really paying attention, mm -hmm. then you should probably just uh, follow uh, the doctor's orders. Um, but then also I think it is important that people, when they do go to the doctor, whether it's for a vaccine, you know, uh, prescription medication, long-term chronic illness, mm -hmm. short-term you know, diagnoses, whatever the case may be. Uh, I think what impacts African-Americans more than anything is one, we wait until it's too late to go to the doctor. Yeah, a lot of times. Um, we're not entirely honest with the doctor about, you know, what we may be doing that could have contributed to whatever mm, we're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do do a lot of, you know, self-diagnosing, self-medicating, self-prescribing, uh, and then don't follow doctor's orders in a lot of um, other areas. All of that together, I think it's just a recipe for a stroke. Okay, so I am 56 years old, mm -hmm. and I have been told like many, 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 mm. many years ago that I need to do the prostate test. And you should. I still have not brought myself to the place where I want to do it because I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't bring myself to doing it. So um, I've, I've had... But now um, I, I'm sorry, yeah, not to yeah, cut you off, yeah. but now I understand that there are different, different ways in which mm -hmm. you can do it. Yeah. I guess it's the traditional way that they normally do it, that yeah. scares the heck out of me. Yeah, again, people gas it. Um, <laughs> because people literally act like, like they're putting this in there. They're not. <laughs> they're not. Whatever um, they're putting up there. It's, it's, it's very small. Um, like, you're not going to feel it. You have can you be, done it? I've done three of them. Because oh, I'm, I'm about God. to be 50, um, oh, okay. and I have a history of cancer in my family. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I had, you know, cause to get it done. Uh yeah, again, people gas it. You can be asleep for it. Um, um, if you need to be, some doctors will put you out for it. They can give you local anesthesias and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but even beyond that, it's it's not nearly the... I mean, 
particularly for black men. I always miss who, the appointments. I'm black sorry. Men, black men have these phobias about things, you know, going That's in the me. back door. That is me. That um, is me. I must admit. I can assure, listen, <laughs> I've, I've done it. Um, it's, it's not that serious. Um, and again, you know, the alternative is finding out that you have prostate cancer and, you know, well, yeah, stage three yeah, or four. Right. And then they can't help you. Right. Um, versus a prostate exam uh, where if they catch it early, prostate cancer is actually one of the most curable forms of cancer out there. Right. Um, so, I mean, just as, as a community, uh, black folk, <laughs> we need to have, you know, just some clear yeah, and honest yeah, conversations about yeah. our medical health. Some clear and honest conversations about again vaccine, you know, cancer, our medications, etc. You know what I what I think. One of the things that I think will work is um, you know just a group of friends or good acquaintances mm -hmm. getting together and sharing information yeah. such as what we've been mm -hmm. discussing. Yeah. You know, I think things like that help. Mm -hmm. You know, help people to make different. Uh, decisions about themselves, their yeah. family, their loved ones. But one of the things that I find out too is that it's difficult to engage a lot of us in serious conversations, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to health. Right. It's very difficult to engage us in, in right. those kind of discussions. Um, what do you suggest or do you have any suggestions as to how we can get to that place where we can comfortably discuss issues like we're discussing mm -hmm. right now? Because I think it's important. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll make this the, the last thing I, I, I say on it. Right. I think the responsibility is primarily with those of us who have a platform to be educated and informed. Yeah. Because yeah. I think black people, we because we sometimes don't have access to information, because we don't always have resources in our communities, mm -hmm. we, I think, tend to lean on our leaders more than maybe other communities do to give us information. That is true. And that if, is true. Like, if, if you are someone who's a member of a black church or a member of a fraternity or sorority mm -hmm. or, you know, your Masonic Lodge or Eastern Stars or, you know... Uh, Jack and Jill right. or you know the Whatever it is, all yeah. of these organizations that we have in our communities if we can't depend on those people who lead those organizations which are at the center of our communities mm -hmm. to give us accurate information then where are we going to get it from because we're not going to trust it if we're just being blunt we're not right. going to trust it from white folk right um, we're not going to trust it from the government we're not going to always trust it depending on where you live um, from city hall so we need those people who look like us, who mm -hmm. are leaders in our communities. And it is why I've been so frustrated with some um, who so clearly are saying things that have not been researched. Um, and, and listen, I, I'll just say it, you know, bluntly. Stop getting your information from high school dropouts <laughs> just because they I have 15,000 you know, yeah. followers on Facebook yeah. or Instagram. Look at, look at the credentials and the reputation of the people who are providing you information. That's Ask true. them where they got it from mm -hmm. and if the only place that they are sharing information from on their facebook page is from another facebook page then that's a if problem. they can't yeah. get um a legitimate doctor um a legitimate epidemiologist um a legitimate you know obstetrician ob uh gyn whatever the the situation may mm -hmm. be if you can't find somebody who has is credentialed and specialized in that field 
to talk to me because I don't really want to watch your interview it's, with you and your cousin. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because um, one of my co-hosts actually mm -hmm. has his own podcast mm -hmm. and we recorded an, an episode with a doctor mm -hmm. only to come to find out that we could not air the episode mm -hmm. because there were certain stipulations yeah. and guidelines that he has to follow. Right. So uh, we were grossly disappointed yeah. because this was from an actual mm -hmm. person who was on working on the front line. Right. You see what I'm saying? So that could be a, a kind of a tricky issue. But one of the things I always make it my point of duty to do is to ask people who right. have come on the show right. about their experience because my exp your experience may be different from someone else's mm -hmm. experience and you may be able to convince someone to like myself listening to you mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a step closer mm -hmm. you see um and that's the reason why we share information mm -hmm. right and so i do not see myself as an authority on coronavirus mm -hmm. You see, so I'm asking people mm. who actually read and know what they're talking yeah. about. You know, in that case, someone out there listening can mm. be a step closer to where they need to be as far as their decisions go. Well, I know? will tell you, when you get to the point that you are, you know, ready to get the vaccine, uh, give me a call. I'll take you to get it. All right, I will take I'm going to hold it. you for that because um, I'm going to need somebody. Yes, I'm scared with, of needle and, too. and I've taken a lot of people to go get it. Okay, um, good, I've driven good. a lot of people to go get it and stood there with them. Um, awesome. And then you know, just follow up with them to you know because they are people are afraid and people are as yeah. you said people are legitimately afraid. Yeah. So and I think that's that's true for me too. You yeah. Know? So I don't I don't share information uh, to diminish the fact that people are afraid. Right. What I'm trying to do with the things that I share. Um, whether it's about the vaccine um, or cooking with my students mm -hmm. or a mentorship right. um, or running around speaking and singing, singing, everything that I'm doing, at the core of it is I'm just trying to empower, to inspire, and to motivate people. And that was one to, of the reasons. To live their best lives. That was one of the reasons I wanted yeah. you on the show today yeah. because I see what you're doing. Yeah. I, I watch what people do on Facebook a yeah. lot. And you and I know yeah. Facebook is a lot of trash sometimes, oh, yeah. you see? And so anyone who is doing something that's positive, mm -hmm. something that can impact the lives of someone in a positive way, mm -hmm. those are the kind of people I tend yeah. to reach out to, yeah. you know? But I want to thank you, man. You've it was great having you here today. Yes, this this was awesome. Um, we got to have you back again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, like I said, I got my hat in a lot of different rings. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, happy to come back uh, again. And, you know, uh, listen, maybe we'll do our own take on a tiny desk or something like that. I'll that bring, too. I'll that bring too. some singers with me next time. Bro, and, oh, that would be yes, fun. You and, know, um, and we'll do that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to invest in some good cameras, yeah. some high-tech cameras, so we can even follow you around, you know, doing, a, you, know, you know, just stuff. There's so much that yeah. we want to do with these shows that yeah. we're doing, but everything is time yeah. and money yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. and so uh, we're investing in ourselves we're mm -hmm. trying to make it happen but once again i want to thank you i've been trying yeah <laughs> i've been watching you and everything that i see I'm that you've been busy. doing we love about you thank and that's you. the reason thank why you. people are drawn to you because you're full of life you're full of energy and you're full of inspiration and thank motivation you. Thank so you. that makes you the perfect man Hey, listen, I'm the perfect man. Get in my inbox. Get in his DM. DM him. Slide in my DMs. Thanks again, man. Thank you so Good much. Good to have you. I want to shake your hand, but we know how this... Yeah, thing, I know. You we know, have to bump and fist and yeah, like we're fighting. It's okay, I'm back to you. All right, bro. Thank you, man. This has been a great episode of Soul Food and Lemonade with Chad Foodie Montague.
we're gonna have him back. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Thanks for joining us this week on Soul Food and Lemonade. Be sure to visit our website at anchor.fm forward slash soul food and lemonade where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, to name a few, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we appreciate a rating and a comment on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about us, that will help as well. Please make a donation to sustain future episodes.